Hi, I'm Mita Thompson, and I'm here on Pride Pages podcast, and I'm here with Will Randstrom. So, Will, we're just going to jump right in. What is your coming out story or something about when you first came out? Oh, boy. Well, my story is a little bit of an ugly story, but, you know, it has a happy ending, so it's okay. Um, This was, gosh, it was like 1998, good grief. And um, I was living in San Francisco at the time. And, you know, just I had come out down there and like to all my friends down there. And I was just living my happy, you know, San Francisco gay life and decided that when I came home for Thanksgiving, I was going to tell my family. And so I come home for Thanksgiving and like, I just couldn't make the words happen. I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I kept, i it just didn't seem like the right time. And I didn't, you know, I just couldn't make it come. I couldn't do it. And I don't know, it was not like my personality to be that way. Anyway, so finally, like I'm, we're driving back to Boise from Burley to like drop me off at the, at the plane to fly back to California. And I can't do it. And I can't do it. This was pre 9-11, you know, so people took you to the gate and everything back then. You didn't just say goodbye at security. And we're sitting there waiting for the plane and I still can't say it, I can't say it. Finally, my row gets called to go get on the plane and I just blurt it out. And then I go and get on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like shout it it out for everybody? Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't like some big airport, like 80s movie, you know, kind of moment or anything like that. It was just, uh, oh, by the way, I'm gay. You know what I mean? And like got on the plane. Needless to say, when I got home to California, I had very, I had lots of messages waiting for me. On the old school voicemail? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Because this is the old school answering machine and all that kind of stuff. So I had several answering machine messages waiting to call the parents back and have that conversation. It did not go well. And it did not go well for several months. But then over time just after some difficult conversations and some like hard truths that had to be accepted, we, we, we got there. And I will happily say all these years later, everything is very copacetic with my family. You know, we, we, they embrace me for who I am. They embrace my husband, you know, it's, it's a good story, but in the end you're like, Oh Lord, that did not go well, but here we are. (laughs) Here we are. It's life. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. Go ahead and take a moment to click that like button or subscribe button. Um, so share with us how you came to be in Boise. You mentioned coming home and from flying into Boise and then driving to Burley. So let's hear the story. Oh, I am, I'm a I'm a native Idahoan in that, like as much as a person who's not an actual native can be. I was born in Pocatello, Idaho. Um, We lived there until, gosh, like second grade. And then we lived over here in Boise for a little while. And these were just moves because of my dad's job, you know. And then we ended up in Burley. I went to high school in Burley. Um, Did some time in California. That makes it sound like I was in prison, but I just spent some time in California. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was, I was there voluntarily, trust me. And then uh, came back to Idaho and I just, I had a friend that, and we were living in Pocatello and we decided, you know what, the job situation isn't that great. We don't feel like we have a lot of opportunity. And so we, on a whim, moved to Boise. And so, and that was in 2002. And I 
told myself, okay, I'm going to give Boise like a two to five year run. And if I don't like it, then I'm out. I'll go somewhere else. And well, here we are. So I guess you're I kinda, still here. I must have liked it a little bit. <laughs> so tell me about living in Boise as LGBTQ and what it means to be a part of the community. You know, Boise, I have friends, like I still have friends in California that ask me about like what it's like to live in Idaho, you know, and, you know, because we don't have the best reputation for being the most open-minded. And what I always say is like, Boise's fabulous. We are this little dot of open-mindedness and being very, you know, we're, I really do not experience any problems as being openly gay in Boise, Idaho whatsoever. I think it I think it's a really opening, welcoming community. It's a small community and, you know, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It has its both. But for the most part, I think it's a good thing because it, we all know each other more. And when you know somebody, it's so hard to, you know, hate somebody. And so it really helps to, I, I think it's a really open and welcoming community. I, I, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, why did you decide to become an attorney? <laughs> well, I've always been told I should be an attorney, what with my um, argumentative skills on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was just something I always wanted to do. And then um, it was kind of my midlife crisis that sent me to law school. I uh, realized I was about to turn 40. And I realized, look, if I'm going to pursue this, now's the time to do it or it's not going to happen. So took the LSAT, applied to law school, went to law school, passed the bar. And, you know, here we are. It's it's been a it's been a metamorphosis for me. Nice. Nice. So tell me about your motto. Everybody needs a will. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I came up with that a little tongue in cheek at one point when I was in school and like, and then also as I've been considering going into estate planning and, um, but it holds true, like everybody needs a will. And the reason why is it gives you peace of mind when the inevitable happens. We all pass away in this world. Nobody lives forever. And it's, to, to put out, to let your friends and family know exactly how you want your final affairs to be handled, how you want the, that whatever legacy you may have to pass on to the next generations. And it, it just gives you that peace of mind and that reassurance. And it lets your friends and family have that peace of mind, knowing that they're not second guessing you, knowing that they're doing exactly what you would want um, when you get to that stage in life. And so it, it's something that I, I've just adopted as like, went from a joke to a motto and becoming a, a fact of life for me. So tell us a little more into why estate planning is so important. Well, like I said, it, it, it lets people know what you want. And also estate planning isn't just your will and passing on your things or your money. You know, it also, part of your estate plan is a power of attorney in case something happens. And this is an unpredictable world. You never know what's going to happen and you could become incapacitated. And so it's great to have that set up, to have somebody that you know and trust to make those decisions for you. Also, part of your estate plan is your healthcare directive. And that lets people know, you know, what type of measures you want to keep you alive. Or if you don't want that, if you don't want 
you want to go in a more in a way that you find better for you, it's good for your family to know that this is exactly what you want and that they're not trying to make that decision for you. Okay. I like that. So you help with healthcare directives for like in case you're in a coma or on a feeding tube, all of those questions. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really hard to wrap your head around when you're doing that. And I, I fully appreciate that fact. But once you, you have these hard conversations with people, it's kind of, I guess, similar to like the coming out thing, you know, you're like, you have this coming up, you have this, you let people know exactly how you feel about something. And then they don't have to second guess it when you're in that emergency situation, when you're in that horrible, oh, what would they want? They know exactly what you would want. You've, you've put it on paper for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that eases the burden too. So it really does because some of those decisions are hard decisions, but they are very hard decisions. There's not some of it. They are very hard decisions. And to know that you're doing what that individual would have wanted it just makes it so much more, such an easier decision to make and gives you peace. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So what happens with probate? What is what is probate? Oh, that's a, I get that one all the time. It's because it's that, that word that we all have heard, but we don't really know what it means. And basically it is settling your final obligations with creditors, with the government, so that when, so that those debts are taken care of, and then your property can flow to the next person or to the next generation unencumbered without having any type of um, debt tied to it. So it's really just a matter of a final accounting is a more, um, I don't know. It's a better way to put it in that because that kind of lets you know what is actually happening. So what happens with probate with a will and what happens with probate without a will? With a will and without a will is a huge difference. If you have a will, basically the court is going to, they're going to know what your final wishes are. They're going to know how you want your, um, your estate to be transferred to the next And it's a much shorter process. It can be a matter of just weeks if you have a will. Whereas if you don't have a will, that can be a matter of months because they have to to kind of just follow the statutory laws of the state to know how your final distribution is going to go, you know, so it goes to your, to your immediate family and, and your parents, if you don't have any children or along those lines. And one thing that I think is really important within our community is that we define family a little bit differently sometimes within our community because not everybody has a happy ending to their coming out story. You know, sometimes those conversations don't happen and they don't have that. And But they've created their own family. They've created a family where um, that are comprised of maybe not blood relatives, but they're just as as important. And so to be able to pass that along to them within our community, it, it's really it's really satisfactory for the, for the people versus following um, the laws of the statute of following the statute of Idaho or wherever you live. And you know, you may not want your brother to inherit any of your money because they haven't spoken to you just because of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important, I think. So 
Tell me about the Pride Business League, your role in it, and what it means to you. Oh, the Pride Business League is such mm -hmm. a cool thing. We are, <laughs> if, I, if I may brag, I think it is such a cool thing. We, we know we have a tight-knit community. I talked about that earlier. We have a tight-knit community in this, in, um, within Boise and within Idaho. And it's such a great resource for us to be able to support one another, for us to be able to help the, um, our customers. And, you know, one thing I've realized over my career is that a lot of people don't recognize that the LGBTQ plus community seeks out people that they know are going to treat them with dignity and respect. And they're not going to have those microaggressions against them when they go to the attorney and they talk to talk about how they want their husband, if they're male, to talk about their husband receiving, you know, whatever, and then getting that microaggression or that that pullback or suddenly, you know. And so the great thing about the league for me is that we've now we're, we've put that together. We've put a bunch of businesses together that we know you can go to and you're going to be treated with dignity and respect. And it's just such a fabulous thing for Idaho to finally be on that page. You know, I, I think we're really, we're, we're going to change things. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So <clears throat> what is the league in process of doing right now, as of right now? We are... And this is super cool. We are getting affiliated with the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. And that's going to be such an opportunity, not just for businesses here in, in Idaho. So, but it's going to be for the community itself because they're going to be able to seek out these businesses like we spoke of before that are going to treat you as you are, as a full human who deserves dignity and respect. It It's really cool. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so what things are you passionate about improving within our community that showcase pride and making things better? I, I think it really just goes back to that. For me, every human being needs to be treated with dignity and respect, no matter who they love, no matter who, what their gender is, no matter how they identify, you're still, you're a person. And I'm, I'm passionate about people being who they are and living openly and living their best life and not having to be fearful. And so I think one of the best things about the, the well, of the Pride Business League and the Pride community itself is that we just are able to be ourselves. And there's no greater freedom or dignity there is than to just be you. Yeah, I love that. So what are some other things you may do for the community? Oh, I, when we, as we get this launched on the Pride Business League, you know, and we get associated more, it's going to be great for us to be more community involved. We're going to be able to be involved with um, projects that are, you know, like the similar things to like, you know, um, Break Up Boise or things like that, where we're out there helping each other and we're out there helping the community. And that, and I think one of the best things about that is it shows people who are not in the LGBTQ plus community, it shows that it, it, it humanizes us more. It gives us more of that, that it's not that we want to be separate. We don't want to be, we just want to be part of the whole, of the whole community. And I think that's going to be a really great opportunity for us moving forward. 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, is there anything you want to finish off with and share in this podcast? All I want to get out there the most is that be involved, get out there, be involved. We are in a very tenuous time right now. It's hard to believe that in 2023, this is where we are with, you know, some of those old tropes from the 90s of like, you know, or even before that of like grooming and all that kind of junk that's back out there again. And I just feel like the best thing we can do for ourselves is just get out there and live our best life and and be open about who we are and who we love and and disprove all of that junk that is absolute junk. It is just negative, hateful garbage. And yeah. we're better than that. And we're going to prove that we're better than that. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Will, for being on the show. Everybody needs a Will. If you all, any of you need a Will in either Idaho or Arizona, um, yes. there's Will's contact details below, and I will have his phone number and email also below for you. Um, thank you so much for tuning into Pride Pages podcast, and don't forget to subscribe and follow. Thank you.